towards the far post. Riston, Anton. Barisha, Diamante. Durante with a free header. And the honour of Western United's first A-League goal goes to a familiar face. Bessart, Barisha. Connor Payne on the left. Alessandro Diamante, the ball on a string. And... Oh, Diamante! The Western service crew are celebrating. It's Tongyek beating Rolls. And here's the post. Welcome back to All West, part two of the season review. I haven't written an intro, so let's do this. This week, we are joined by Scott, Lev, Jay, and Kelsey. How are you guys going the night before the AFL, is it the Grand Prix of AFL? Is it the, yeah, the AFL Grand Prix. It's called the <laughs> AFL Champions League Final. <laughs> that sounds about right. Do they still have a running race in it? Yes, yeah, they do. On. Cool, sweet. That's but, the best part. Thank you for tuning in again. We will get on to our first person. And this week we have the Cav Daddy, old Josh Cavallo, secured game time in the latter part of the season with nine appearances with two starts for a total of 241 minutes. By the latter games, he really made an imp. He increased his physicality, which we, I think I commented on. I think a few of you guys did as well. And his touch was great. I really enjoyed it. His passing accuracy was 75%. His tackle success rate was 71.4%. His shooting accuracy was 100% because he had one shot on goal. Good on him. I know Josh Cavallo probably isn't listening to this podcast, but uh, he might. You know, there's always the chance. So I'm going to say it. Josh, if you're listening, you need to do better next season because I've got your card on Ultimate Team and it's fucking garbage. It's just (laughs) worse. I love you. Got nothing to do with how you've been playing football. But FIFA haven't noticed, and I really expected better. You know, I think it's like 58 rating, maybe 55. You know, your shooting's at like eight. <laughs> they, should, they should drop. They Those should stats is still got better shooting than Stammer, though. So, <laughs> and, and I only paid 200 points for his card, so you know I'll take that. But back to you know, actually, Josh. You know, he's a club man. You know, he's the first player we ever met. All of us together. On this podcast, we went and met him at the um, the Melbourne City, City. versus Werribee City game. I wasn't there, and I don't think Kelsey was either. No, I was, man. Okay, Kelsey, I just met Kelsey, him. Right, so not paid the, important people, the important people went down and met him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, obviously he was rapt to see us. He's, he's sort of um, – obviously this is the first year of what you could call his professional career because he's yeah, still yeah. very young, and he was essentially playing for an – it was an NPL club, so um, – in Mel- even though he was at Melbourne City, he was, he was playing at the NPL level. So um, meeting him the, uh, at the start of the season, it was great. He was sort of like almost shy and a bit reserved, and I think he still is. But once he breaks out of his shell, and um, even if he grabs a goal first in the regular season next year, I think he'll do quite well. But um, so far as this year went, I don't think we can expect too much from him. I mean, 241 minutes of game time sounds like a lot, but when you're subbed on with... 10 minutes to go in the game. is pretty much killed off. There's not much you can do. I think B's a pretty good rating for him, considering he's one of the younger boys at the club and we've been quite harsh on um, a few of the other younger ones. Um, other than that, there's not much to say. It's, it's um, He's played a variety of positions as well. or He's played all over the pitch. So it'll be good to see him settle in properly somewhere next year, probably in the midfield. So just jumping on to what you said about being harsh on some of the younger players, I feel the cab daddy has actually embraced the actual opportunity to play, improved his game. Like I think it was in the last city game of actual season. He actually like took down Dalbridge with a pretty solid hip and shoulder. He could be playing in the grand prix for AFL tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And he's getting bigger as well. When we saw him, he was just skin and bone. And now that boy's thick. <laughs> not, I'm not saying he's taking human growth hormones, but he's having a lot of spaghetti. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, he's been great. He was actually the second person to come on the podcast as well. Um, But yeah, big fan. I can't wait to Kelsey. Any words on the cab daddy? Cabalicious, the Aussie Messi. What do you feel? Just that I love his pace. Yeah. He's really good at blowing bastards away. And that's what we want to see. I must say, Cav was probably the one player I did not expect to see this season play. I expected him to be sort of make, make a the bench every now and then. I didn't think I've seen much game time, but towards the end, he got he got a fair bit of game time and he really, he was probably the most improved player in my eyes. I, I thought I saw him grow the most 
considering once he was given a chance. Yeah, at the start of the season, I didn't think I'd see him much at all, maybe once or twice, but he actually come on a few. I think he even started one or two games, didn't he? Two. He had two starts. Two starts. So two. It's, it's something I didn't expect, and I'd like to see a lot more of Cav next year to see what he can really get to after having a season, you know, of um, a bit of game time himself. So it'll be very interesting next next season. I cannot wait to see him more. He's probably one of my favourite players. Is he one of Scotty's people? He is probably, you know what? I, I, I'm a bit sad with Stammer and how he let me down last season. So between, I think Giselle is going to be my new man, but Cavs always that special man. You know, he's going to. Any final comments? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to talk about Oh, sorry, my apologies. Boy. Oh, sorry. Usually I'd let it go, but I'm not letting it go with Josh. <laughs> he knows how much I love him, and he loves me as well. He's called me his number one fan, so I've, I've got to actually speak about him. Do you, run, do you run his Instagram fan page? No, I actually don't, but some, somebody got there before me, but if they hadn't started one, I would have made one. But Andrew Trevor. Look, I'm a, that's the thing. I'm a little bit older than him as well, so it seems a bit creepy me doing it. It makes sense if someone like Hayden the boys doing it, so... <laughs> I think it is Hayden the boy, so I'll let him have it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, he's all all the things that you guys have said about him is correct. He looks like he's showing tons of promise. The pace on him, incredible. A real club man, somebody who will go out of his way to talk to you. But even just chatting to him, um, he's got a great football brain as well, and you can see the drive that he's got and how hard he works. He just lives and breathes football. Like that's what his whole life's about, and. You can tell even every single Instagram story he puts about uh, puts out, he's got a ball at his feet or on his head. So he's he's just someone who, if he can keep growing, he can turn into the kind of player that like Maxi Burgess is at the moment, and um, can really shine in the A League and even go quite far in the national team too and get a good shot overseas because he's got the right he's got the right head on his shoulders. We can. Has he has he really secured his a position yet or has he played a bit all over because didn't he start I could be wrong about this but didn't he start more forward and then he's moved back a bit or he start the other way around sorry played a bit everywhere. He's, I think he played at left back when he came on one game and he's played as one of the wing positions he's played yeah attacking midfield when he was in um, when he was at City he was playing pretty much on the wing and then yeah. when we got him he was up left back and then you know obviously you can't take it for like what it's worth, but in FIFA, he's a centre midfielder. And pretty much that's what he is. Like he can play sort of up, back, he's good in the middle. I'd probably keep him in the midfield because I think he's um or even have him like in a in a Risden yeah, or a, a, a wide, wider position. Yeah, in, in a wider position because he's very good at getting tracking back, getting back, but he's also good at going forward. So because when I play not putting him in a centre back you're right anywhere else, really. Yeah, even goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's <laughs> enough. <laughs> Let's move on to the next person because we could talk about Cab Daddy all day. Um, Quibenia Apayakubi was a late addition to the squad due to an injury to Valentino Yule. He managed six games and one goal and was inherently a squad player. His passing accuracy was 78.6%. Tackle success rate was 50%. And his shooting accuracy was 100%. One goal. Let's, I, on that one goal, he did save the day, I'm pretty sure. But we gave him an overall a C minus. As a squad player, I think he was a good signing. What do you think, Leb? Look, um, he was better than Yule. So upgrade on, upgrade on that when it comes to um, how Yule played for us, even though probably didn't get a great run. But uh, back to Corbetta Happier, he... I feel like when he came onto the scene as that injury replacement to Yule, he showed a lot of promise and he probably he probably did have the skill that he could have broken in and cemented himself in our first team or I think he started a couple of games um, around that time, but then he was pretty much just used as a sub and really forgotten about. So um, I don't know whether the coaching staff didn't really fancy him or because they knew he was on that shorter-term contract and kind of tried to stick to Yule a little bit longer once he came back from injury. But... Um, I felt like he probably wasn't given too much of a go, but after those first couple of games where he showed promise, he didn't give us too much either. Yeah. Um, just on uh, Appiah, I think he won us the game against Western Sydney. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, 
love that. Fuck Wanderers. Um, I'll keep him in my heart for that. I think he was a former Wanderer. He was a former Wanderer boy as well. But honestly, after that, disappointing. Um, I really expected a bit more from him, to be completely honest. He didn't have heaps of game time. But, you know, um, he sort of struck me as someone that would have been an impact player, like someone that could come on and really change the game. And... Other than, you know, that uh, Wanderers goal, which was, you know, a well-taken goal. It was, might have been a bit of luck in there, but you can't take that away from him. Um, he never really impressed. So I think um, he's not with us anymore, is he? No. no. I don't think that's much of a big loss for us. Um, it's You know, pains because I like him as a bloke as well. I think we met him once. Um, and also I like him as a bloke. Uh, it's, just, it's, like, it's very similar to Yule is um, – like, good bloke, just wish he could have done a bit better with the time we gave him. Yeah, he, he was in the unfortunate position where he had a short-term contract and with the limited chances he was getting, he had to make the most of them and really turn it on when um he was given oh, the chance and he just didn't do it and he's just not at the level we're looking for. He uh, played his first six games at the start. I remember he... I was never a fan because he did turn it over a few times earlier. And from there, he, he just lost me. Just about as much as I can say on him, to be honest. Understood. Now, guys, I want to show you something that's just come to light. Oh. Oh. The 50-year-old virgin. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I couldn't help myself. It's Laurie McKenna getting waxed. Laurie McKenna, absolute legend. Love you, mate. Love you. We love the Newcastle gets here, don't we? Yeah, and our boys over at the Crossbar Capers, they're great. Like, sent us out some toasters as well. So, only thank to them for their, the great work that they do over there on that podcast. Only sent us eight, which is a bit disappointing because they know we drink five beers at a time. So, we need at least 10. At least. But, you know, you know, we just take what we're given. I know COVID has made it tough for a lot of people. And being a Jets fan, it's, it's a hard life. Yeah, it's hard, I know. very hard at the moment. Uh, at least they've still got Laurie. Yeah, Laurie's a good egg. Like, actually, genuinely, I think that if if I had to be another fan of another club, I if I lived in another region, I could see myself being a Newcastle fan. I could see myself in another, yeah, lifetime. Yeah, like, I've been to the Hunter Valley. It's beautiful. Luke Giselle, the 18-year-old, had senior experience at Melbourne City, junior career at City and Knights, and under-17 national team experience. He broke into the team with three games and 111 minutes in our midfield. He debuted in round 21 against CCM. He showed promise, and I look forward to seeing more from him. Notable mention the time the ref knocked him over in that game. That was 10 out of 10. Um, passing accuracy, 82%. Tackle success is a zero, which is quite odd, but maybe my stats are wrong. And shooting accuracy, zero. Uh, we gave him an overall rating of C+. We're all quite enthused to see what he does. Scott, what are your thoughts on the do's, Daddy? Well, Giselle is probably... The Dazzler. Carry on. Giselle's probably my new favourite man now that Stammer's died off on me. He's only about 18, as you said. He hasn't got much game time, but um, I think he's, he's game against City, which he, I think he started on. He was probably, uh, from what I saw, our, our most promising player. Like He drove it forward. He gave us... He, with With the ball was in his possession, he, it was probably the only time I thought we were actually going to do well against City. Like, I know we did play a, a very different side at that stage, but he pushed forward a lot and he moves a lot like Pieris in, in ways. So he's got a bright future. As long as we keep on him, give him a few more subs throughout the this season instead of waiting until last minute where we're just desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey, anything about the do's daddy, the does but he's 18 years old. You're not expecting him to play week in, week out. It's all about development from at this stage. I guess next year I just want to see him try and get more minutes would be my key thing. Lukey D, he's he's a promising young player for us. So uh, the fact that he didn't get much game time last season isn't the be-all and end-all as long as the club keeps developing him in training, gets a bit more game time this season than last season, obviously. And the fact that he's had... Um, national team experience at the youth levels means that multiple people in football see something good in him and if he can keep his mentality right which he's probably one of the players we actually haven't 
had a quick chat to, so I actually don't know too much about his personality and that. But um, if he can just continue doing what he's doing and keep getting selected for uh, youth into the youth national appearances and make a few more appearances for us, he could have a really good future. Is he, has he got game time in the Ollie Roos yet? Under-17s. Uh, under-17s. So the Ollie Roos are what the under-23s are, they? So oh, yeah. the under-17s, I think, are just the under, yeah, the Australia national under-17s. I would like to see him, you know, coming on the field a bit more for, you know, your Burgess and Pierce or whoever comes off. I would like to see him get a lot more game time. He's typically more of a midfield player, so he'd probably probably come off like with sticker or someone like that. I thought he was a bit more of a striker and attacking midfielder rather than central midfielder. Really? Yeah. I think that's very interesting in City. He played more up front. But yeah. Is that Luke Buzel? Yeah. We're still talking. Oh, fuck. I thought he was a defender. So we're all over the shop here. <laughs> like, like, he, he's a midfielder. Yeah. He, in our time, he has played midfield. So, But he's still developing. Who knows? Pierce is up front one now. Game, one game against City. And probably young players, it's hard. So moving on to a fan favourite. Oh, Maxie Burgess, the low-socked, long-sleeved fan favourite, had a slow start, but when he peaked, he delivered some memorable performances with club's first ever hat trick. He played 24 games with six goals and kept keepers and defenders on edge with a bit of a different style. It was really cool to see. You don't see much of that in the A-League at the moment. His passing accuracy was 85.2. Tackle success was 65.4%. Shooting accuracy was 48.3%. And we gave him an A. Uh, That was a well-deserved A. Had it not been for Dimmer, he would have been the player of the season without a doubt. Yeah. Like, for anybody not... Just if Diamani hadn't have been there, he would have easily been the best player. He um, reminded the opposite of Jertek in that Jertek started off great and fell off the face of the earth. He started off slow and then just fucking killed it in that... Especially in that back half of the season. He absolutely fucking murdered it. Um, Obviously, the highlight was his hat trick against um, CCM. I guess the thing is, do we think he can go to another level and what does he need to go to another level? Well, if he goes to another level, I think he doesn't belong in the A-League anymore. I think somewhere, you know, Asia or somewhere goes goes nuts for him and gives him a big paycheck. That's that's probably the next level for Burgess. He's, he's, I think he's becoming one of the great, you know, as good as he can get in the A-League. I think the only next step is go elsewhere. There's been a lot of rumours floating around about Max Burgess wanting to go to Sydney which is where he's from originally. Western Sydney. Western Sydney, yeah, which I am not a big fan of. Um, if he went there, I'd be very, very disappointed. Not, you know, obviously it would be very disappointing losing a player like Max Burgess because he's such a key um, player for us because he replaced Kone essentially when Kone was injured. And he was better. He was better than Kone. You know, Kone scored a couple goals here and there and was all right, but Burgess... Okay. Burgess was more of a marquee than Coney, easily. Consistent. Burgess should be in the chair at like being the championship, in my opinion, like the English championship. Western Sydney wouldn't be a step down for him, but why would he move to Western Sydney? Contract. If he he came into um, Western United, not having the like as stellar of a performance as he did at Wellington, like so, he's come in had a bang up year with us. If his management was ever going to market him around for a better better paying paycheck, now is the time. So I completely understand his management doing that. And they'd already like dogged Jets, the Jets by getting Carl Robinson gone. Oh, yeah. uh, but personally... I understand it. Dirty, dirty Sydney siders. Keep money then. I don't care. I want to... I'd keep We've him. got an open spot for it. We've got the mark. Give him what Kone was getting paid and that'll shut up and his management. Or if Burgess was going to do something... In outside of Australia, there's no point fucking going to another club in Australia. It's yeah, not going who to wants to go to Sydney anyway? And that's the thing. It's not the fact that it's not even that he was like dominating in a team that was doing terribly. He was dominating in a team that had great cohesion. If he goes to West Sydney, who knows if he's going to link up with those players as well and perform as well. He, if he wants to it's stay in for another year, he's better off staying where he knows he's going to perform well and still develop and then maybe in a year's time can go overseas rather than trying to go to West Sydney for a year, maybe doing well, maybe not, and then wanting to go overseas after that. One, you're just turning your back on your fans and you're going to have a lot more people that hate you. 
already after the Wellington fans, he's already done that to one club. So that's why it's not completely out of the picture that he would do this. But it just doesn't make sense to me. If he was getting yeah, called up by a championship club like Riley McGree, gone to the MLS and then on loan to Birmingham, something like that, I'd be completely fine with it. It'd be disappointing, but going to West Sydney, it'd tick off all of our supporters and it wouldn't be the smartest career move for him either. And if his agents are pushing that so much, then he should be able to see that his agents are just after the money and not his best interests either. It's Honestly, a backwards step if you think about it. I think he's one good season away from playing European football in like, you know, for a Europa League club or something like that, for a top-tier Austrian like, or, or a, a top-tier Ukrainian team. You know what I mean? Might not be in the Premier League. He might never play in the Premier League. But I honestly think he could play European football quite well and break into the Australian, you know, the Socceroos, the national squad. And that's a goal for him at the end of the day, isn't it? And why would you move laterally when you can move forward? You know, he could go to England and play in the championship like a Maslawongo or something and and do so much better. Yeah, like um, lead one team like a Sunderland or a Portsmouth and potentially play at Wembley in a playoff final or something. Like He might get a game at Leeds, you never know. I don't understand why he would leave to go to a club that probably even underperformed uh, last year because Western Sydney had some good players that just never, never mm-hmm. really did much. And like, who have they got now? Yeah. Matt, sh- who's feeding him goals? Because Diamante's not helping him. Bessar Parish is not helping him. Stephen Lustig is not helping him. If you're mm-hmm. going to go somewhere in the A League, it's either Sydney or, or nowhere. Else, that's the only option, the only real option for Burgess. If you want to improve, Sydney's about the only option, to be honest. If not, there's no point going anywhere. It's just a sideways step. It's just pointless. Yeah, but the downside to that is living in Sydney and no one deserves that punishment. <laughs> he could go to Adelaide. That's worse. Yeah. So nah, Sydney's a much bigger hole than Wankalade. Nah, Sydney's worse. <laughs> I'm with you, Kelsey. Honestly, I could understand. And him going to Sydney FC. From there as well. He was originally at Sydney too as a youth player. And they've lost LaFondra. But guys, you have to remember as well, Max is not an out-and-out striker. He's more of an attacking midfielder as well. Haven't they re-signed Bobo or they're looking to re-sign Bobo? They signed a big, big, big tall player, I'm pretty sure. Bobo. So they did re-sign Bobo. It hasn't been confirmed yet. Okay, yeah, I heard it's up in the air still. Most goals ever, Bobo. They haven't signed him. The the league has cut so much money, they are all trying to do it cheap. That's another thing about the Max Burgess thing to get back and tie that in. How, even though he's not making as much money at Western United as he probably could be, how are West Sydney going to afford to bump up his pay in comparison to us? Especially when we still have that. I know it's things have changed a little bit, but we've still got that higher salary cut for this season than other teams. Here's the thing, though. What if they were using that offer to leverage, like trying to get Western Sydney to make an offer to leverage that against Western United to pay him more, which is commonplace in sports contracts? It's very, very possible. That's what I think it is. But we should I hope that's what it is. And he does yes. deserve more money, too. Yeah, yeah give him, he, he wouldn't have come on on a lot of money. So I, if, I'd chip in 10 bucker. You guys are keen. Nicholas Milanovic joined West United on a scholarship contract until the end of the 2021 season during the COVID hub. He played for the NPL New South Wales team of Western New Wanderers. Although he didn't get any game time, he could be one to watch. He has been at training currently, so he's another young player. We actually haven't seen him, so there's not much to comment on. So we'll move on to Oscar Dillon. Another young player who came in later in the season and managed seven games and, in my opinion, performed well in um, the centre-back role. Although he left the club, he worked well with the rest of the back line and added to the squad depth. Passing accuracy was 85.6. Tackle success was zero. Shooting accuracy, zero. Rating was C. I think he's a, he's a younger player who could be at, like in consistent A-league level in the next five years. What do you guys think? I would have to say, he was honestly, he was probably one of our... I'm not saying this in a bad way, but our worst defenders. Like, I'd no way. I prefer Imai or... Oh, I love Imai. Yeah, but that's a different story, though. But he he was mainly used in subs or when other players were being rested. or You know what I mean? Like, uh, he, Well, he averaged, out of his 70 games, he did average 90 minutes. So I think he started a lot when we're having the big injury issues. But that's the point so, of him. He was an injury like He was there for depth. And I think he succeeded at that. Like, he wasn't bad when he played. 
three yellow cards. He had at least one error to goal. That, that's just going off these the stats. His a- jewels. AP, AP had would have been similar, man. Like AP cost us that city game. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like for the amount he actually played. The thing with him is he's a depth player, but he's like all our defenders. There's a level of performance. He's not going to be. He's going to be at that same consistent level each week. He's not going to put in like a fantastic performance, but he's not going to be entirely piss poor either. He might make a mistake, but he's not going to be piss poor over the full ninety. It's all about development for him at the moment, and he's just there to play when this when when he needed. I must say, with um with Dylan Dillian or whatever, however you say. Um, when we had that downward spiral where we lose, we lost, you know, quite a few games in a row. We started high, went low. He was starting most of those low games. Whether that was much difference, he was at that that tail end of how we were performing, and that was when we weren't winning the game. So whether he was the big factor and all that, it's you know, I don't know where you go from there. But to me, it wasn't great to see. You, you can't you can't blame a spiral when he had seven games on that. Yeah, but that's that was when Western United were having their down period. He was starting those games, so whether you look at it that way or what, he's also twenty one years old. Yeah, look, I get exactly what Scotty's saying, but at the same time, yeah, that defense doesn't come down to one person. It was a kind of low time for the club, as I think I said on last week, Pod, mm. that um, we were losing a few players. The results weren't going well. There was talks of um, like bickering in the um, backroom staff with the players and stuff, which wasn't the case in the end. But it was just a bit of a yeah, there was a bit of a shadow looming over the club for that particular time. And it probably just was coincidence that he came in. But at the time, we had lost a lot of our better players to injury and stuff like that. Uh, and look, I don't think our team, out of a lot of teams as well, pop, uh, dealt really well with the heat. And that was around a really hot period too. So, um, Have you ever yeah, tried ageing fruit outside? It's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's what our team was. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, look, he wasn't shocking. I think he did the job. Maybe didn't deserve to release, but I don't think, like, I think he was just on that amount of contract anyway. So the club obviously wanted to go in a different direction for whatever reason. Uh, Where did he go, do you know? He hasn't uh, I think signed. He just got released. He's probably back at MPL level. He's back at, I think, Sydney United or one of those yeah, Sydney, the Sydney side he came from. He come, oh, I come. think he went there. Well, like Patrick Antelmi went back there and he went there with him or something. He, he wasn't a, I thought he was a Queensland. He is a Queensland. He was a Queensland yeah. goal boy, I'm pretty sure. Good luck to him. Um, might, team, might team with Gold Coast United in the A-League in a couple of years. Or in the FFA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, we're going to move on to a bit of a fun one. And this is Panagiotis Kone, which was Western United's debut signing. And he's, and this is what I think a big part of it was. He signaled the level of player the club wanted to attract. Despite leaving during the pandemic, he played some really good football with two goals across 15 games. He was really – he linked up so well with Diamante. Um, yeah, he a lot of great moments, but he recently retired. He had a passing accuracy of 83.5, a tackle success rate of 67.9, shooting accuracy of 43.8. We gave him a B minus. Jay, what are your thoughts? With Panacone, he's probably the second most disappointing thing I've ever seen behind the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. <laughs> um, purely because he was our first marquee. Sorry, that's killed, Caleb. But um, it's also the it's also the truth. No, Jodie Foster's fine, but that movie Contact that sucked. I waited two and a half hours to see the alien, and it was her fucking dad. All right, you know what? This is another podcast. It's a whole. It's completely Panacone. Same vibe. He's our marquee. Signing, you know, we got him before Diamante. And he turned out to be an alien. He turned out, he turned out to be his own dad. You know, he scored our first goal on home soil, then did Sweet FA until he scored his second goal, and then did nothing, got injured. You know, I can understand injuries. They play footballers. I can understand that. But when he was on the pitch, he really didn't do heaps for us. Max Burgess really did much, much, much more than Kana could have ever done for us. 
To me, it was a wasted spot. When we were at our press conference with Panacone at the start of the season, Mark Rudin said he didn't really look too much into international spots and this and that, and then Australian talent was more um, important to him. And that really showed because Panacone, to me, was a wasted spot for an international. I would have rather just started Maxi Burgess and let him just develop into the player that he eventually would become. Um, Panna wasn't a bad player, though, at other clubs. I think he had a very disappointing season. It was obviously, yeah, injury riddle, but at the level of the A-League, you know, he's been playing Serie A his whole life pretty much, and, and at the top tier in Greece, you really expect much, much more. You know, you would have expected, you know, I think, he, what was it, 15 games he played? You, you'd expect at least six or seven goals for someone in his position, you know, um, in the attacking midfield, and, and really... Yeah, some more, you know, he really didn't help out that much. It was mainly Diamante and Barisha that were getting the job done. So, yeah, I must, I must agree. I think it was a bit of a Jody Foster being, <laughs> being a panic a, room. Being the marquee signing, you know, everyone looked up and expected a lot from him. He didn't really produce, he was too slow. You know, he was close with Diamante, which is what really, you know, built his name up a bit. He was very slow. He, he he did have that deadly foot at times. That was about that was about all he really had to offer. But besides that, his speed wasn't great. If if we had to start from the season the season from scratch, you'd choose Burgess over Kona any day of the week because I think at the start that's sort of what where we went. We had Jurtek and Kona before Burgess and yeah you know, you know Lustica or whoever else we had. But yeah, was he just, was good for the club because that's the thing. It was a big signing for the time. On paper, we were expecting more. Um, so moving on to Patrick and Tell Me was a COVID hub signing and did not feature heavily and only came in as a sub. We wish him the best. We won't rate you because that's unfair. Good luck, mate. I believe you're back at your previous side of Sydney United. Good luck. We will move on to our Lord and Savior. Ryan Scott came in as a replacement goalkeeper and at the time was a bricklayer and he became a big personality around the club. He was awarded the club person of the year and has the roving Ryan videos on game day. He only managed one game with 78 minutes, but he's added so much to the fabric and colour of the club in such a short time. He, he made one save, he conceded one goal, he made one clearance. We gave him a B- minus rating. Scott, please continue. It's funny that I've got Scott, of course. To be honest, Scott's biggest part of his time there is uh, probably his roaming Scott moments he had down at the the hub life. I think he he, he played one game, well, what would you say, 78 minutes. He did concede a goal within that 78 minutes and the ball was down the other end for the rest of, rest of the time. So it's, it's a bit hard to judge his performance because I, I personally don't think it done that well. One save conceded one goal, that's a 50-50 split there. I haven't seen enough of him to really judge him. Going off his off-field performance, fucking 100% he has been the man. He's, 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 bringing a luck. he's bringing the character down to the club, laughing, having a joke, getting everyone you know, bonding with each other. His off-field performance has probably, probably been his best, best area. But, yeah, going... Going off his actual, you know, goalkeeping, it's really hard to judge. He conceded one, saved one. He hasn't had enough game time. Considering he was just a backup for Dalinov, he's done fantastic. So, We'll also build a retaining wall for if you need. But no, carry on. <laughs> well, you said he's saved one and conceded one. Uh, obviously, uh, those numbers don't speak correctly because in that game we won. You've got to remember that as well. And it was literally the fact that the defenders knew he was so good, they didn't even have to even try. We, we just got the four. We just, everyone just pushed forward, thought, you know, Ryan Scott, you can take the whole back half of the pitch. We'll push forward and we'll put five past these guys. And they did. They nailed it. We, Ryan, wouldn't, we wouldn't have won by four goals, one five one, if Ryan Scott wasn't in goal. I'll tell you that. But how excited did the service crew get when uh, Scott did come on? Oh. <laughs> We were, I've never been like, I think it's... The fact that we made the trip to Adelaide and it happened there as well 
And that was oh, and we won five one. That was just we fucking were amazing. So pumped. So pumped to see him come on. But we were upset about Kurdo getting injured, obviously, but we're so pumped to see Ryan Scott. I was going to say, there's probably like a German word for it where you're like really happy and sad at the same time because we were gutted that Kurdo was injured. No, that's when you're you're happy about someone's misery. But we were like so happy that Scott was coming on, but we were gutted because it's like we don't want to see Kurdo injured. As much as we love Scott, you know, he's a great keeper. Kurdo's probably a bit better. Just a little bit. Like, just a little bit. Obviously, we probably told this story in the pod before. When we won the semi-final, I had a couple of beers. So did Caleb. We called him because I had his number somehow, like, in my messenger. And I called him, <laughs> and he had a good with us on the phone. Uh, he didn't have to do that. Valentino Yule didn't pick up, and that's why the club let him go. But Ryan Scott did pick up, and that's why the club picked him. And award him and awarded him a new two-year contract as well. No, but even just with that, it's like <laughs> having the amount of time he gave to everybody after a game. He's just a real down-to-earth guy who just who like loves getting on it. <laughs> Mind you, if I'd inboxed anyone else, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've inboxed Ryan Scott probably ten times in the last six months. Every time he responds, and he's always enthusiastic about it. He's a great bloke. I bought a goalie kit. Haven't had a chance because the club store's being closed. But as soon as it opens up, I'm going and getting Scott 30 on the back, getting him to sign it, framing it with a couple of photos of me and him. And also the um, the clubman. Uh, yeah, he, won, he won the clubman. I'm pretty sure year, like so. literally five people voted for that. And three of them would have been me, Caleb and Mace. Without talking to each other, we all picked Ryan Scott. Because <laughs> good old Mace is, loves him as much as we do. Yeah, I don't think – I honestly think that that voting was probably rigged because Ryan Scott definitely deserved it. Or didn't deserve it. Probably should have gone to Dear Marty. But... No, Ryan Scott deserved it. Fuck it. Well, yeah, all the other yeah. rewards. Being, being, being stuck in a hub, I think – you need that pl- you need that person to really step up and bring the group together between Scott and Diamante it's really gelled the team together so much because you don't want a person sitting yeah. there just being negative nelly in the fucking corner you want someone there happy having a laugh mucking around joking that's what you want that's what you want with a player and that's what Diamante and Scott did produce for the the team yeah, you want someone, you want, obviously you can't have a full team of them, but you want a couple of jokers in the squad to loosen things up. When you win, everyone can have a laugh and celebrate. And that's what, you know, obviously Diamante's international, but he brings his own sort of Italian flair to that. But and not just when you win, when you lose, I, somebody I did hear from uh, Chrissy P. I did hear from Chrissy P on the uh, Dumbass podcast. It's dumb Diamante shit. It's up. dumb shit. Oh, dumb shit. The, Dumb shit podcast, sorry. That uh, Diamante was the, the the biggest pain in the fucking ass at, at the club. So Scott come must have come sing. Ryan um, Ryan sort of strikes me as the sort of bloke that, you know, after he knocks off his bricklaying job, he pops down to Aldi and buys four slabs of rivets for the night. So like Landy. What a fucking like, like anyone in the Western Service group, really. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start piling up over a thousand beers. Over a thousand cans since I say. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, has everyone spoken on Ryan Scott? Ryan Scott, we love you. Look, uh, this is obviously been cut. <laughs> Scott McDonald came with a lot of fanfare and expectation. He played nine games with one goal. His performance in the first win against Melbourne Victory was astounding, but this honeymoon did not last. And he moved to Brisbane. I think he performed well at both clubs and is great for the league in general. And I think he, hopefully he'll move into like a um, commentary role. So he'll really add that depth to a character in that kind of thing. But I was even so pumped when we smashed them out of the fight, the toilet seat cup. We didn't really smash them out. We, I think we won one nil. Yeah, but we Brisbane, still won. Brisbane were the better team of the day, so I, I wouldn't class it as smashing. But let, let me just finish. What's the job done? We, fin- we, we, we rated him a C plus, and I think we all would agree he's a benefit to the league. He started well, off very, very strong. Oh, sorry, right? Okay. Just say, I believe this is my review here. This is Ryan's question. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me tell you why he was a bad signing. He played for Celtic. In seriousness, no. Look, I think it was a. I get why the club tried to sign him. Problem for him is he got unlucky when Barisha fell into our laps. I don't think the club ever thought Barisha was going to be on the radar till he was on the radar. 
And then it was just too good of a signing to pass up. And it basically squeezed him out, especially with all the older players we had anyway. With him and the team, with like Kone, Diamante and Jotek, it was ex- it was very slow when he was in the team. So yeah, he did very well when he went to Brisbane when he went there, but that was a team that was suited to him. He, he just didn't click with United. But props to the goal against victory. Yeah. You yeah, see, I thought Scott McDonald started pretty pretty well with us. He he started that electric that he brought that he did take to Brisbane later on, but he did die off after a few games with us, and which is obviously when he fell a, fell out of a bit of flavour with us, and you know we dropped him and didn't bring him back in straight away type of area. I think me and Andrew did go watch him train, and even then Scott McDonald didn't look the sharpest tool out there which probably didn't help his uh, life at Western United, which did push him, you know, to look elsewhere, obviously. So it's a performance-based sport, though. And, like, if you're not performing mm. with, within that starting group, it's it's best for everyone that he did leave. Like, we performed well. He did well at Brisbane. We're all better off, but we brought him back to the A-League. Leb, what do you think? Look, um, I think it was a... Kind of the same sort of signing as Kone. It was a bit more of a statement, the fact that Scott McDonald would be playing domestic football in Australia for the first time, having spent his whole career overseas. It was a bit exciting for a lot of people too. And um, exactly what you guys were saying about the Borussia thing, it's kind of just unfortunate that uh, he was signed, that him and Borussia are a similar age and he was signed at the same time as him because if it was a different season and we didn't have Borussia, I think he would have done really well being that... Um, older striker up forward with a lot of experience for us, as he's shown at Brisbane. I think it just wasn't a mix with the club. There uh, was rumours of a bit of a personality issue between him and Mark Rudin, which might have been true, um, which wouldn't have helped his cause either. But, look, he's a and he's a bit of a character as well. And as we were saying before, you don't want too many characters in the dressing room, but you want a few. And maybe he was one too many because you even see his Instagram stories and stuff. He's a bit funny and that. Um, old Scotty Mac. He's I, he's he's shown what a quality player he is at Brisbane and he just couldn't output that with us. Maybe it was the formation we played a bit as well and um, the team he had around him, maybe it just didn't suit him as well because some players just play better in some teams. It's it's just back, but I just know next time we see him, we'll be all going to Carl's Jr., grabbing a burger and tossing him at him. Shout as out to h Andrew Tran and say. You sign uh, someone like Scott McDonald at the start of the season. That's to the club. It's like a huge, huge signing because Scott McDonald's well known for Australian football and all that. That's a really good signing. But once you get get into things, Scott McDonald's more of the the player that you need to build a team around more than just sticking him into a team of you know a bunch of randoms. And that's what the, I think the big issue was with Western United. He was a great name. He's a good name. And a great player to sign, but we didn't build a team around Scott McDonald. Therefore, he was never going to really fit in with the players that we signed. And I think that's what happened. And he went over to Brisbane. Brisbane had that, you know, the good area, and they built a good team around Scott McDonald, and it really worked for him. And look, I, I completely agree. Um, as you can see, he did well with a lot of his other teams in the past, and other teams he didn't do so well with. And like the prime example is. Look at him on the national stage, scored zero goals for Australia because they weren't building the team around him. They were building the team around players like Harry Kuehl and Tim Cahill and even, to a lesser extent, Mark Bresciano and people like that. So, yeah, I completely agree with, with what you're saying there, Cal, uh, Scotty. As you said, yeah, exactly. It, that's exactly the point. You've got, to build a, you've got to build a team around a player to really get the best out of him, and that's what Brisbane done with him, and that's what we didn't do with him. That's why he took the next level with Brisbane. Um, I think the club just needs to take a stand and no more Celtic players. <laughs> just ban them. Well, after Kamar Roof's goal this morning, we probably want to sign him from Rangers. Yeah, we're so that'd be all right. yeah, amazing. Yeah, we're that was nuts. One of the best half goals I've ever seen. Just I'd sign him to Western United. Seb Pasquale was a young player. Well, he still is a young player. He made a name for himself at an early age. And despite not getting game time, until the tail end of the season, he proved his worth. With nine games, seven starts, and 582 minutes, he brought some speed and just beautiful touch leaped up with long balls. 
Hope to see more from him. Passing accuracy was 85.9. Tackle success was 66.7. Shooting accuracy was 33.3. Now, he's a, he really peaked the latter part of the season. He's just His ball handling, it was just amazing. We gave him a B. Who would like to comment on Seb Pasquale? Seb Pasquale. <laughs> Seb Pasquale. His dick's fucking massive. Side note, do you guys like the amount of puns in that thing? Yeah, yeah. dude, I lost my shit at long balls. I lost my shit at long balls. Uh, we're doing some physical gestures to sort of, you know. I was trying to go diagonal just to fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on Seb Pasquale, he's someone who's brought his name brought a lot of promise. Um, being a youngster, he went to Ajax from Melbourne Victory. He's definitely someone who's shown a lot of potential at like the young national level as well, the under-17s, the under-18s and all that. Um, so, unfortunately, I don't think he got enough game time. I feel like he probably has the quality that can afford him more game time in our team. But I think with injuries as well, which he copped a lot at the start of the season, Unfortunately, he's that type of injury-prone player that that might hamper his potential because without those injuries, I think he'd be at a higher level than he is right now. Well, that touch and his passing ability shows the kind of education you get at a club like Ajax. It shows how good their academy is. I completely agree. Like Just his, his performance in those last few games was just him linking up with Diamante, him doing those long balls to Payne. It was just, you don't see much of that in this league. Not to mention he can play it pretty much fullback all the way through to midfield. Very versatile bloke. Um, I think he'd definitely be worth uh, holding on to. Maybe not, he might not always be the best first team player, but he can plug holes very, very well. I could see him consistently in our midfield, like post this year, like post this season coming. Because um, we'll probably like lose like lose stickers and stuff like that. I reckon he could take over from Diamante, in my opinion. Um, Jay's face says differently. Or if we don't lose, no, just no. I'm just crying because of what you said about obviously the bloke that's coming up next. Lose sticker. I can't. I, I couldn't handle. He sacrifices goats, yo. No, it wasn't that. Um, what's his name? Yeah, you, that was funny. Yeah, but same league. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else have anything to say about Seb Pasquale, Scott? He's been that because he, he's changed position since he came from Victory. I think he started more attacking Victory, and now he went to Ajax and played more of the well, I could be wrong, uh, central defence, not centre back, central defence. He's 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 a bit of an unknown area. Um, I'm happy to see him in the in the squad. He showed a bit of promise. You always got to love a bit of Seb out there, so. Yeah, I can't wait to see a bit more of him, to be honest. Okay, let's move on to Stephen Lustica. He was a mid-season trade from Uzbeki Club that I cannot pronounce and I won't try again. <laughs> in that time, he has made a huge amount of pace. He's added a huge amount of pace to our midfield and, in my opinion, was a crucial um, was, was crucial in a number of games. He played 10 games with one goal, which was a fucking ripper. And he signed for another, he signed on for another season. His passing accuracy is eighty four point five, tackle success seventy one point four, shooting accuracy fifty seven point one. We gave him a B plus. Jay, what are your thoughts? If you followed the A League, anyone at Western United that had previously followed the A League would obviously be pretty excited about his signing mid season. You know, you'd be you'd think, hey, he's a pretty solid player. He probably won't do us much wrong, but I never expected him to be as good as he was, to be completely honest. He exceeded my expectations of someone. I, I honestly thought, you know, he might not even be, he wouldn't be a negative influence, but he wouldn't be super positive. He won us the game against Sydney, which is arguably the biggest game of our um, of the regular season for us. You know, it helped us make our final spot. Pretty much. Oh, pretty uh, much. Yeah, but, but yeah. coming into the finals with the win over Sydney yeah. is a very big deal for confidence as well. And to win that in like the, you know, essentially it was borrowed time that we'd won that game on. It was, it, I think it was like the 80, 89th minute or, yeah. So that's essentially borrowed time when it comes to football. But um, to when he scored that goal, we went, I don't think I've celebrated more at home for a goal ever. So Lustica... Mm. 
yeah, completely exceeded expectations. I think B plus um, pretty much, you know, is, is a very accurate representation of where he is. I think if he'd done what he'd done from the start of the season, he'd be like an A. Easy. But uh, like, like, yeah, an easy, yeah. But um, very, very impressed and I hope he stays with us. Uh, I know that's why I cracked the shits with our last one because you said he might leave and that's when Seb can come in. But I actually see him playing in the midfield alongside Seb quite well because Seb's more defensive. I feel Seb can be more defensive-minded, whereas Stephen can be more, yeah, box-to-box offensive-minded. And he also has European experience. Um, we chatted with him on uh, the Crossbar Capers podcast. Shout out. That's probably like the fourth fucking shout out we've done, <laughs> but they deserve it. Honestly, he's got European experience. He knows what it's like in, in the tougher leagues. He is nothing but great for the club. Definitely have to keep him for at least another season. He really coming in at a great time. And when he's really taking that next level, he's taking the next level. You often have those mid-year signings and normally they're just filling type of players to keep us afloat. But Lestick has really come in and he's taken it to the next level and he's really... To be honest, he's cemented his spot in, in our team and I'll, I'll be happy to watch him start from next season onwards, really. He's just that type of player. He's really helped us along. I prefer him over a few of our marquee signings besides Diamante. So for him to work along Pasquale, Pasquale being the young young lad out there, you know, it could really help someone like Pasquale grow, learning a bit more off the sticker. Yeah, exactly, Scotty. I reckon you're right. It's it's the fact that he's got so much experience in the A-League and abroad as well. And just the sort of energy he brings. Look, he's, he's in the prime of his career as well, the age that he is at the moment. So the type of energy and experience that he brings, he's got it all at the moment. And he can be go down as one of our great players if we do great things next season, if he decides to stay, which we really hope he, do, he does. And from what we got, Talking to him, he has enjoyed his ventures elsewhere, but he is enjoying life at Western United at the, for the time being as well. So we know he's um, a boy from Canberra and we spoke about the possibility of a Canberra team coming into the league and um, he said he'd be interested for something like that, which is completely understandable, us being all guys from the West and being so attached to our club and not even being players. Uh, we can understand what he's feeling there, but uh, he is enjoying his time with us and if we can build the team around players like him and Diamante and Burgess, if Burgess also decides to stay, I think we will not just do well, but we'll be one of the favourites to go all the way next season since other teams are struggling with losing players and that's going to affect um, their team spirit and just what they do from next season forward. So if we can keep a core group of players with Lustiger and the rest, I think we can do big things next season in our second season. Someone like Lestiga is he's a quality A League player. No, I think they've covered it really well. I, I can't really disagree with anything said there. Um, <clears throat> the main thing I would say is I reckon he'll push Burgess and Dimmer for player of the season next year. Oh, yeah, controversial! controversial. I, 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 it's very possible because I'd if say Burgess, after them two, he was right up there. If he, as Jay said, if he played the whole season, I think he would have been in contention for that sort of thing, or in contention for, let's say, uh, Connor Payne's runner-up of the season, that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah you're exactly right, Kelsey. Now let's move on to Thierry Iraconda. Um, he signed with the club to a scholarship contract and managed four games um, in the midfield role. He was a defensive. He was defensively minded and played well at the time that he was given. He left the club at the end of the season. His passing accuracy was 9.5, tackle success 16.7, he, and he didn't have any shots on target. But he wasn't a bad player. We gave him a C minus. Yeah, look, a C minus is probably about the right rating for him, judging on his performances throughout the season. But I was actually quite disappointed uh, when I found out we'd let him go. Out of all the players we let go at the end of the season, he's probably the one that I wanted to keep on the most. I felt like he he was. I felt he was inexperienced, but he offered def- He offered a lot more drive and potential than a lot of other players, our, the, our younger players offered. He he had that kind of grit about him where he'd actually get in there and he'd go in hard, kind of like in the same way that Jerry Skatardis does. 
with a little bit less quality, unfortunately, but I felt like he could have grown into that sort of role to actually become quite a solid defensive midfielder. And, yeah, being a scholarship, he obviously wouldn't have been too much to afford and I would have liked to see us keep him and try and develop him for at least another season. Um, even having a chat to him when we got invited up to the uh, function room before the Central Coast Mariners, the last home game that we had at GMHBA this season, we had a chat with a few players and he was one of the ones that I had a chat with and seemed like he had a real love for the club already in the time that, in the time that he was there. So it's... It's kind of sad to see him go as well. And the way he was kind of talking, he did. The vibe I got from him was that he felt like he didn't get too much of a go, unfortunately. But I wish him well elsewhere. And look, if he does well elsewhere and club decides to bring him back and he wants to come back, I'd love to see him back at Western United one day once he develops. Because he has, he's a good lad and he's got a good personality as well. Uh, well, I, I was never a fan of him to start with, to be honest. I don't think I've seen enough game time from him. <laughs> I'll give him a pass because I think he covered him pretty well. So, uh, well, let's just move on. We there's nothing much else we can say about Thierry. We hope we all wish him the well. Like, well, on to Thomas Love Uskok. He signed from an NPL team later in the season. And managed ten games for eight hundred sixty-three minutes. As a centre-back, he worked well with Durante. In the midfield, he was great and kept the opposition on their toes. He managed to score a beautiful goal from a set-piece and has signed for on for another season. His passing accuracy was 80%. Tackle success was 71.4. Shooting accuracy was 50%. We overall gave him a B. Scott, what do you have to say about the old Uzcock? I would have to say he's probably our second most reliable down the back. With a with a my... Well, obviously, uh, passing Durante. And my, he was probably, you know, the next best duo outside of Durante because you've got to start looking at past Durante being at the old age he is at. Sorry, Scotty. We were playing a back three too, so we did need three of them. So Tommy fit in there quite well. Yeah, we yeah we did see that a fair bit. But I would probably rather see the the, the two down back and the, you know, left, left back and right back as you normally see. but. Wilscott did, you know, I must say, he was probably our second-best defender, uh, centre-back, and he did really step up at times. Obviously, quite solid at the back, and he wasn't too bad in the midfield when he did play up there. Very happy with his performances. Obviously, we could have probably done a bit better when he came in. We were in a uh, rough spot. So um, I'd like to see him with a full-strength squad to supplement the way he plays. I think he is quite... Uh, instrumental in us doing well next season. I would not like to see him go. Well, I think he, the big issue is he, he's twenty. He's twenty nine years old, so he's not like he's one of the youngsters we've got. So, yeah, you really with Durante getting a bit older, you really want someone like Uzko taking that next level to sort of replace Durante a bit, and then have the younger centre back, you know, helping him guide the way. Even if not, sorry, even if he's not taking over Durante's role, uh, even if he plugs up other spots in the field, because I know he can play in the full-back positions, he can play as a defensive-minded midfielder, and he can play as a centre-back. So um, he's probably one of our more versatile players also. You know, he is a bit older. He's probably never going to crack it higher than the A-League. But I think his skill level is definitely worth I, th- I think it's definitely worth keeping him. I, I would like to, we sort of need to get ready for life without Durante, to be honest. And Ulskog is probably being as one of our you know next best centre backs. You sort of you want him to really take that next level because obviously once Durante steps out, Ulskog's going to have to step up, and we're going to need that other centre back to start coming through the ranks. So you need someone sold like Ulskog to. Be there, and it's great having him around. Just being the, the older age and more experienced type of player. So, okay, so moving on to Mogi Amai, he was another late season signing and had a bumpy start, but proved him more than capable of playing the centre back role, matching the physicality of the league. He played twelve games with three yellow cards. In my opinion, a solid addition to our back line, and happy signed on for the twenty twenty one season and. Judging by his Twitter, he is as well. 
had a passing accuracy of 88%, tackle success of 64.3, and shooting accuracy of zero. Uh, we gave him a rating of B. Kelsey, what are your feelings on the old MA? Love his physicality. I think he's forming uh, part of the nucleus of a good, solid back three um, starting. My question for everyone, he's a bit of a walking red card waiting to happen. And my question sort of is, how long before he actually takes someone fucking out in a game? I hope he does as soon as possible because that'd be fucking hilarious. And who would we like it to be? McLaren. <laughs> oh, dang. Who was I going to say? I was going to say someone different, actually. Honestly, I was going to say McLaren. I honestly think it would be funny if some, if one of, if Tomoki and I got a red card for taking out his own player. Personally, that'd be not not against Western United. You know, I want us to do the best. I want us to win games, but it would be so funny if somebody got a red card for taking out their own player. Can you even get that? Double break with McLaren. I can't remember who it is. Another Western United. Sorry, Western Sydney Wanderers one. No, 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 no. Oh fuck. Anyway, go on. I will remember it. But yeah, so I'm a big fan of Smokey Amai. I think he's added such experience. He's matched the physicality completely. Tomoki and I, I think we were all very critical. Or, well, I know personally I was because the first time we were on this podcast, Tomoki and I was coming in. He had very little uh, professional experience and we weren't super sure about him. And his first game was pretty bad in Ballarat, but yeah, everyone's games in Ballarat were bad. That's Ballarat, and we were pretty bad as a squad. I honestly, we stopped watching the game and started playing, kicking the footy with a bunch of like kids. No, Just, that was the second well, that's how much Ballarat means to me. It all meshes into one. Anyway, Tomoki Mai, other than that game, and honestly, he wasn't super poor. It was sort of one mistake between him and I think it was Dylan as well. It was actually Dylan's fault. It was Dylan's fault, but Mai also, you know, didn't do the best. Other than that, rather a very solid player. I think um, B is a quite a good rating. If uh, we'd played the whole season and we kept probably two or three more better sheets, uh, he'd probably be an A, and I could see him definitely uh, maybe not taking over as a um, as the main defender at Western United as a, as the middle of the back three, but I can see him doing well on that on his side, uh, and I can see him literally winning us the title as long as we uh, keep our squad strong, as long as we have another like Durante or even a younger sort of Durante alongside him. I think he plays well when he's got good people around him. Uh, he's actually quite pacey for a centre-back in the A-League. Usually a lot of them are very slow but very physical. He seems to bring the best of both worlds. He's quite fast and he also deals with physical pressure quite well. Because he's only quick, but he's, yeah, he's always quicker than he is. Yeah. And um, obviously, Diamante, happy Jappy, we love him. I'd love to keep him around for another couple of seasons. Well, how many has he signed? Has Tomoki and I signed for two more seasons or what? Just one. Look, let's hope he does well this season and gets another season after that. Maybe I must else. say, Emoy uh, has, I think he started off, he started off a bit sloppy at first and he really come good toward, you know, towards the end of the season. He was probably one of our, Besides Geronte, he was probably at one of our most solid defenders. And, you know, if you look at his when he first started, you know, you, you probably didn't want him in the side. It, it, it really took him a few games to adjust to the A-League level. And once he got going, I, I'm so glad he signed a, again because uh, between him and um, Uzcock and Hamill, MI is going to be a really great part of uh, next season and, you know, good luck trying to get it past him once he's get, once he's up and running because he's not the easy to get past now that he's up getting ready to go. Sorry, Scotty. Don't forget the fact either that we've still got not just those three that you mentioned, but we've got still Durante still there and we've still got Calver as well. Yeah, but if you're looking at more centre-back areas, you're looking at Durante, M.I., Cock and Hamill. They're they're and they're the that too. And Aspro. It, it, oh, oh. oh. Hey, Aspro doesn't play with us anymore. He's gone. 
Fuck yeah, I know. That's well, uh, that was a bit of a piss take. Shout out to Aspro though. He was actually a good club man. He did a lot of yeah. the promotional work and stuff. So we wish him the best at Perth Glory. And he listened to our advice. He knew he wasn't getting game time, and he fucked off. <laughs> Is Calvert actually a centre back? Because I, I I more thought he was sort of the right back area. He can play right back, but he's primarily a centre back. Definitely. Oh, okay. I trust him across. Oh, across. Yeah. Oh, he hasn't really got the height. Yeah. Calvert doesn't really have the height. That's the. Well, he's decently tall. What are you talking about? Calvert's like six three. Right. My he's 186 man. centimeters. Oh, six two. He's 186 centimeters. I don't he's think he's taller seen... than all of us. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen really Calvert. Let's move on. We're just rambling. Let's move on. Moving on to our last person and the lowest scoring. Um, And this is not not to negate this person because they had an injury. We're moving on to Valentino Yule, who was actually our first interview. After He had an amazing preseason with the club's first goal. We all expect big things from him, but that injury plagued him. He did not recover. He made nine appearances at the latter part of the season, but he's essentially left. He's actually recently started... Uh, training with Adelaide United. I'd, I'd like to see him do well. He's in Adelaide. That's where his hometown. I'd like to see him do well. That's He had a passing accuracy of 81.8, tackle success rate of 100%, and shooting accuracy of 100% with one shot of goal. We gave him a D. In my opinion, if he hadn't been injured, it would have been a different story. But also, Scott jumped off the Yule tip and jumped on the scam. Nah, with Valentino Yule, though, it's... Kind of tough because he did get a like a decently bad injury early on. He was probably our most promising and exciting player in preseason, I'd say, and we all loved him. He was the first player we ever made a chant for too. He was that was originally the goal chant. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I, that. Me and Ricky discussed this beforehand. It was going to be the goal chant, and then Ricky got him blind, and he turned it into a yule chant. That's how yes. that it fun. And then it became a yule chant. But literally, yeah, first player to ever cop a chant from us, as you guys mentioned before, uh, first player that you had on this podcast. Um, a great bloke all around, really kind guy, really nice guy, and a good footballer. But unfortunately, he didn't get the chances that probably deserved before injury with us. After injury, he couldn't really pick up where he kind of left off with Bentley Greens and where he left off in preseason. So it is sad. We do wish him all the best. We hope that um, even if he doesn't find an A-League club straight away, that he goes back to NBL level and tears it up. Does fantastically, but it, it is it, it's a re- it's a bittersweet one. It's look, he wasn't doing much for us, but it is sad to see him go at the same time because he's a player we all really really liked. Definitely, he wrote soft on my jersey. I'll never forget that. That's that's a big thing, man. <laughs> you was always one to he always engaged us personally, have an affinity for you, whatever club he does, whatever he does with his professional career, I will always follow. He gave us a go as yeah, a I podcast. Wish but the best. Yeah, that's genuinely he didn't get to reach his peak with this club, but I think he will with another. He helped launch this podcast as well because this podcast did gain a lot of traction once they saw, wow, Valentino Yule is coming, being interviewed. And at that point, he was one of our most promising signings. So he's actually done a big thing for this podcast too, which we can't thank him enough for. So that's a big – so we're we're all big fans. Wish him the best. Uh, Yeah, I can't wait to see what he does. Hopefully he doesn't score against us. Yeah, let's hope not. But even then, we'll probably still give him a clap because he does deserve it. Uh, any closing comments, guys, on Yule? I've got one thing to say. As a Liverpool supporter, I've been waiting to make this pun for so long, but Valentino Yule never walk alone. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> hey, fuck. shut up. Let's keep it on track, guys. You ruined my Valentino Yule never walk alone comment. We've essentially finished our season review, which is amazing. Oh, yeah, sure. which is great. Uh, we will be back soon with our up preseason updates for season two. I'm looking forward to that. So I'd like to thank thank everyone for joining us tonight. We had Kelsey, Scott, Caleb, Leb. Thank you for helping us out this season. Thank thank everyone for listening. We've been all out west. All west, aren't we? All west, are we? Epstein didn't kill himself. Ha, 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 ha.